right, well, it's really good to be back. I can say truthfully that I missed you guys. I can't say truthfully that I'm, I'm sad I was gone. I really enjoyed the beach. It was very nice. My family and I got a nice little breather, had some fun. Um, I didn't get too hurt falling off of skim boards and bruising pride along with other body parts, but we had a good time. But it's really, really nice to be back. It was just, it was cool to know, like as we were getting in the car and heading home yesterday, that we were going home and we were going to see you guys this morning and it just felt good. It felt right. And so I'm, I'm happy to be here with y'all. Um, last Sunday, a really good friend of mine, Pastor Jimmy, who's um, the Life Group's pastor at our, our church back in Franklin, came out here and he started a new series that we're going to spend several weeks on. Um, this series is going to lead us towards starting home groups in October. And so it's really laying the foundation of what it looks like doing life together. And so we're calling the series just simply Life Together. And we're going to look at some very important and foundational truths about what it means to be a disciple, what that process looks like, um, what our part is in discipleship. And then we'll even look at the types of people that we'll encounter um, as we're going along the way. And so those are some things that we're heading towards. I just want to encourage you guys, some things you may hear and you might go, hey, that's a pretty familiar verse. I've heard that before. And I want to encourage you to do something very specific as we're going through this series. Ask the Lord to show you where you are. Like imagine that you're somewhere on a map and he's going, here's the dot. You're right here. This is where you are in, in your walk with me as a disciple or as a follower of me. And what's that next step that he's calling you into? You know, you may hear some things. You're like, man, okay, cool. I'm doing some of that stuff. That's great, but see what he might be calling you to to take a step further with him and see where that might lead you. And so we're going to jump into this. This morning we're talking very specifically about what is a disciple. That's our topic this morning. If you were here last week, Pastor Jimmy unpacked about three or four different topics we're going to be covering. And so you'll hear over the next few weeks, you'll hear some stuff that he mentioned and then we're going to go in a little bit deeper dive to, to one of those each week. And so... Last week, he used the shape of a triangle to do some teaching about what a disciple is, and we're going to spend a lot of our time on that this morning. But I want to start um, with Jesus' command, the Great Commission. And we're going to look at this verse probably every single week that we do this, just to remind ourselves of this truth. And I want to highlight one or two specific things this morning. And so let's read this together. This is a passage found in Matthew chapter 28. You know, there's going to be two main verses we're going to look at this morning. The first one right here in Matthew 28, it's one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples, guys who'd been living with him for over three years, day in, day out, watching his life, doing life with him. And this is what he had to say to them as he was preparing to return to the Father. Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority. Can you guys say all authority? Good. I'm going to make y'all talk maybe a couple of times this morning. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now that is a bold, powerful, strong statement right there. That word all, you know, it shows up several places throughout the scripture and it, it means all. It's not a super complicated Greek word that we need to really unpack to figure out. It literally means all. So Jesus is saying Every bit of authority that exists on this planet and beyond this planet is mine. 
It's been given to me. He's making this huge statement about his power, about his authority, about who's in charge. And then he says, this has all been given to me. With that in mind, here's what I want you to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this is radical. There have been a lot of different men, women, leaders over the course of centuries, millennia, who've had power and authority. And they've all had different strategies and ideas of how they're going to use that authority to create a kingdom, take new territory, rule and reign over people. And most often, it's by force. I've accumulated this power, I've accumulated this authority, and I'm going to use it for my gain. Jesus says, I have all power and I have all authority, and here's my radical plan to take over the world. I'm going to send you guys to go make disciples. Normal, common, everyday people. I'm going to send you to impact another person's life one at a time. I'm going to send you to do what I just did. Y'all lived with me for three years. You learned from me. We did life together. We went through ups and downs along the way. That stuff that we did, you go do it. This is Jesus' plan for us. And it's one of, it's one of the, the most clear, direct commands in all the scripture that he gives. Go make disciples. Now, the other thing I love about the fact that he says all authority has been given to me is he's letting us know his plan to take things over but he also tells us at the very end of verse 20, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the one who has all of the power, who's created this plan for us to individually, one by one, take over the world for his kingdom, that person with that power is with us still today. That's how this is going to happen. We're going to do this through relationships with other people by the power of God living in us. That's Jesus' plan. And so Jesus lays this stuff out and says, go do the things I've taught you. And so now what we're going to see is in Matthew chapter 4, the very first thing he said to his disciples as he began to take them on this journey of all the things he was going to teach them. And so then in Matthew 28, they've now had the results of those three years. And so let's look at the very first thing that he said to them when he called them. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Here's just a couple of guys minding their own business. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Here's normal, everyday workers going about their business. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Think about this for just a minute. These guys are going about their normal everyday life. And there was something so compelling about this guy, Jesus, who'd, who'd kind of been hanging around. They probably heard a little bit about him. They'd maybe seen that he'd been preaching a little bit. But here's this guy in their town. And he says, hey, come and follow me. And I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they just stop everything and they follow him. 
Now we know from Scripture that they just seen him do something miraculous. He had shown up and in one moment, something that they'd been working to do their whole life that they were experts at, that they were struggling with, he gives them one simple command and they find themselves overwhelmed with fish. And now Jesus is saying, hey, if you think that's awesome, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Come check this out. And so this morning, we're going to unpack the three elements that are right here in this simple statement. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men to see how Jesus defines what a disciple is. And all three are vastly important. Now, if you're like me, I have, I have a bad memory. I have a trou- trouble holding on and retaining information. I have a hard time memorizing. And so we're going to keep things very, very simple. We're going to use the shape of a triangle to remember. And my hope is that by the time we're done doing this, this is the kind of thing that you could take out a napkin and a pen at a restaurant somewhere, and you could sit down with somebody and walk them through this. Hey, there's this really simple verse. It's Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. It's when Jesus kind of defined what a disciple was when he was calling his disciples. And here, let me show you on this, this little triangle I'm going to draw. There's three things Jesus is talking about here. And so the first thing that we see is Jesus says simply, follow me, follow me. Now, this may seem fairly obvious, but there's some really important things in this statement. The first is he doesn't say, follow a list of rules I'm going to give you. He doesn't set out a creed and hand them a booklet and say, follow the instructions in this booklet and you'll be all right. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, um, hey, I'm going to just tell you some things and then you go do those exact things and you'll be all right. He doesn't say, sit down, pull up a chair, get your notebook out. I'm going to preach a 30-minute sermon and you'll be good to go. He didn't say any of those things. He said, come follow me. Come live where I live. Come eat with me when I eat. Go to the towns that I go to. Sleep out in the wilderness places where I sleep. Come and spend life with me. One of the very first things that we see that a disciple is, it's a person that's in relationship. It's someone who's in relationship. They're actually spending time with Jesus. God's call to you and I is no different. He's inviting you into a vibrant, living relationship with him. Being a disciple does not mean you have to be an expert on Hebrew or Greek. It does not mean that you need to go memorize a bunch of commandments and follow them. Now, those are things you may do to enrich your walk with him. I'm not diminishing them. You're going to need the scripture. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But this is not primarily about learning a list of rules or instructions or even a lifestyle. It's about following a living person. Jesus invites us, just as he invited the disciples, to follow him. It's not rules. It's not a pattern. It's a living person. And then as it relates to discipleship in our life, one of the things that Jesus has done for us is he's given us each other. He's given us each other. See, Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 28, go do the thing you've watched me do. You go now make disciples. So people will have a living person that they can watch, that they can follow. Paul picked up that theme in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, is Paul going to get that perfect? Was Paul just had it so dialed in that if they were following him, it'd be just like following Jesus? Anybody think that? I don't. 
Paul was an imperfect guy. What about guys like Peter and Andrew, James and John? Were these perfect guys that had it all figured out? No. It was messy. Life was up and down. We're going to see this more next week when we start talking about the process that we go through. But it is not a straight line to discipleship. It is not, I take these 10 steps and when I arrive at this point, everything's great. Some of the disciples' worst moments were farther into the journey than they'd been when they'd had some huge breakthroughs. I mean, just a short way into their story, Jesus sends them out. In Matthew chapter 10, just a few chapters after this, Jesus sends them out to go preach the gospel and cast out demons. Miraculous things are happening. Well, then a couple years later, they're running and hiding and abandoning Jesus as he's being betrayed by Judas. It's not a straight line. It's not just continually progressing up the mountain till you reach some amazing level. It is the roller coaster of life. The thing that is defining is to say, I'm with him. Wherever this leads me, I'm with Jesus. And the good news of the gospel, the beauty that we see in scripture, is that Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I'm not abandoning you because you stumbled and fell. I'm not leaving you hanging because you had a rough week or a rough day or you had a moment of failure. I'm with you. And so he says, hey, come and follow me and know this. I'm not abandoning you. I'm with you to the very end of the age. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So we're following Jesus, a real living person. And then he gives us each other. We aren't meant to do this alone. And so if I'm early on in my journey and I'm just saying, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you. Most likely there is someone or a group of people in my life that I'm looking up to that are a little further along than me. And I'm like, okay, I'm with that guy. For me, one of, the, one of the first people I can identify is my pastor, Steve Berger. I remember being at Grace Chapel for about a year. I was 19 going on 20. Um, I'd gone on a mission trip to Africa with them. And I got back from that trip and I went to our pastor. And I was like, I didn't even know the right terminology to say. In hindsight, I was asking if I could be his disciple. But I was just like, hey, could we maybe like hang out, you know, sometimes? Could you teach me some stuff? Like, I don't even know what to ask. I just kind of want to be around you. And he made time for me. And some of it was Bible study and some of it was just life. And then eventually he gave me little projects to do and things to do. And I realized later, oh, he was doing this. He was discipling me. He wasn't perfect, but he was available. And he shared what he knew and he let me hang around. And what I began to realize more and more is he was teaching me how to follow Jesus. I promise you, you've got two Two people, two types of people in your life right now. You've got people in your life that are available that you can follow. You can watch. You can hang around. You can ask them questions. You can pester them to death. You can follow them to lunch. You can come hang out over at their house. There are people in your life that God has placed in and around you that you can spend time with to learn and to grow from. Secondly, I guarantee you that you have someone in your life, probably multiple people, that you can be pouring into. You've got neighbors, you've got kids, you've got grandkids, you've got coworkers. You have people in your life that are around you. See, here's the truth. I'm pretty sure Pastor Jimmy said this last week. You are actually already discipling. There are people who are already hanging around you and they watch your life and they're learning from you. 
And you're influencing them, whether you realize it or not. What Jesus calls to is, is living that way on purpose. Purposing in my heart, I'm going to follow him. And then purposing, I'm going to look around in my life and identify some other people that are in my life. What kind of an impact am I having on them? And it's not about having all your stuff together. It's about being real. See, we're going to move forward here in just a second and talk about the second element of this. It's about being real. It's about being honest. Because the second thing Jesus told them, he didn't just say, come and follow me, the end. He said, come and follow me. I'm going to do something radical in your life. I'm going to make you into something. And so the second, the second element to being a disciple is that Jesus will change us. If we follow him, we will be changed. Notice the way the passage reads. It doesn't say, come and follow me, and then you can make yourself into a fisher of men. It says, I will make you. There's a progression. There's a natural by byproduct. If you will follow me, I'll do something radical in your life. You'll start to change. You'll start to be different. Change happens slowly. Change happens instantly. Happens gradually. It happens in fits and starts. But change happens. And a natural byproduct of being in relationship with him is that that change takes place. Now what's really interesting is right before Jesus calls them to come and follow him, we have a verse that gives us a very straightforward message that Jesus was preaching all the time when he was walking around on this earth. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. As soon as Jesus was finished stepping into his ministry, he'd been baptized by John, he'd been in the wilderness, and now he came back and he began his ministry. And it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At the most basic level, there are two ways that Jesus is changing us as we follow him. The first way he changes us is by repenting. By recognizing there's something going on in my life that needs to be different. And so as I begin to follow him, I notice some things. I notice, man, my life seems to be going in a little bit different direction. Jesus seems to be going that way, but I was kind of going over here, but he seems to be going over there. Will I turn and align my life with his? That's, that's repentance. It's turning a different direction. I remember as a kid, my dad loved to go camping. Our, that was kind of our family vacation thing that we would do. And we would find these places in Texas. I mean, sometimes it was like we were driving for days and we never left the state. Texas is a big state if you haven't been there. I mean, we'd get in the car in Houston and we'd drive seven hours and we were still in the same state. You leave Tennessee and drive seven hours and it's like you've gone through three or four states if you're heading north or south. And we'd get out to these random places and we'd set up camp and then we would hike. And I remember as a kid, it was just really important to me to be the first one in line on the hike. I needed to lead the hike. And so I'd find a stick, and you know, here I am, this five-year-old kid, seven-year-old kid, whatever. And I just, I had to be in front. I had to be leading. And I remember every now and then, you know, I'm walking along, and I'm turning around to make sure, is everybody still following me back there? But I remember feeling like I was the leader. You know, I was the one blazing the trail. Well, the truth is, who was the actual leader on that hike? It was my dad. And I knew, really, I needed him, because I'm checking to make sure I'm heading the right way and, you know, get to a fork in the road, and I think we're going to go right at this trail. 
I didn't really know. But the truth is, apart from Jesus, when we're following our own life, we're doing the same thing. I mean, even if we're in our 50s and 60s, if we are apart from Jesus, we're just like me as a little kid. Oh, okay, I know what I'm doing out here, trucking along, following my own plan. And the truth is, I don't know where I'm going without him. But when I repent and go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to hang back. I'm going to let you take the lead. Hey, I've noticed you've put some people in my life who are following you. And I'm going to hang back. I'm going to let them take them. I'm going to follow them for a little bit. See what I can learn from them. When I repent and say, God, you take the lead and I'll follow you, something changes. I may not know what it, what it is right away. I may not even be totally sure where I'm going. But I know the person in charge is different now. And that's going to cause my life to look a little bit different. And I'm trusting that where he leads me, it's going to change things. I'm going to get to a different destination than I've been to before. And so I repent and I follow him. The second way that I change is I obey. I obey. Where he leads, I follow. That's how it works. And the process of taking the step of what he says to me is how change begins to take place in my life. Sometimes that is saying no to something. Sometimes it's saying yes to something he's calling me to do. See, if I remove the personal aspect of following Jesus and I just try to obey rules, that's not really, that's not really changing me and how I live and how I operate. I'm just changing some behavior. Real life change is saying, God, I'm no longer in control. You are. You lead, I'll follow. And the, the, the process that begins to happen in our life is we are transformed step by step as we obey and as we repent. Now, here's the beauty of how this works. First in my life and then in the lives of people I'm influencing. The beauty of how this works is obedience and repentance go hand in hand. Because I'm going to regularly discover along the way, either by accident or very intentionally, I've stopped obeying. I'm going to have moments in my life where I go, mm, I don't really want to go that way. I'm going, to, I'm going to go this way. But at any moment, I can recognize I stopped following right there. And I can see it for what it is. And I can humble myself and say, God, I'm sorry. I got off on this track. But I, I want to follow you. And so I repent. Will you forgive me? And I take that step back into obedience. And I follow him. And then he changes me. And little by little, step by step, I'm being transformed. And if we are influencing other people and we are living life in an honest way, it is just as important for people in our life that we're influencing to see us obey God as it is for them to see us repent. I'll give you an example, like with my kids. There's, there's a lot of moments in my relationship with my kids where you know, I want them to see that I read God's word. I want them to see that I talk to God on a regular basis. I want them to see that when we make a big decision in life, my wife and I are talking to the Lord about it. We wrestle it through together and then we make the decision. I want them to see that. And so then there's times where I'm teaching them to obey. Like, hey, you need to listen to my instruction, not just because dad's right or it makes my life more comfortable, but because if you're learning how to follow my instruction, what I'm really preparing you for is how to learn how to follow the Father's instruction. 
One of the reasons we have such a problem in our generation with, with hearing and following God is we have a pretty broken fathering system in our country. There's, there's a lot of people who've grown up without fathers, absent fathers, they're not present at all, or they're there and they're not really engaged. See, God intended for us to learn from our fathers how to listen to the Father's voice. But the beauty is, through the process of discipleship, God gives everybody an opportunity to have what maybe they've missed. And so whether I've had a physical, biological father on this earth or not to give me away, God provides spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers in our life. And so I'm participating with him if I choose to be one of those people in somebody else's life. I can do it intentionally with my own children. I can do it intentionally with friendships and other relationships that I have. And I can live an authentic life in front of them saying, hey, here's where I've chosen to follow God. And you know what? Over here is where I really screwed up. And there's times where I have to go to my kids, even specifically in my relationship with them, and say, I'm sorry. I lost it right there. I got angry with you right there and talked harshly. Will you forgive me? That might sound weird to you as a parent to apologize to your child. I think it's important. They need to see us live real, genuine, authentic lives. Listen, I just have to encourage you. If you're going to be someone who disciples others, we're going to have to get over this idea that we have to have it all together before we can do that. Disciple makers are not called to be perfect. They're called to follow Jesus. That's it. And to live an authentic life in front of other people. We, we are in desperate need of each other. We need one another to encourage each other along the way. Let's choose to opt in. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to invite others to follow along. And then as I let Jesus change and transform my life, because he's real and he's alive and he's with me, and I've heard him tell me something I need to do, and then I'm going to do it, or I've heard him tell me something I need to do and I didn't do it, and so I need to acknowledge that and change, and I'm letting other people see that process in my life, it's inviting them to come and be real and be honest. It's inviting them to come and learn how to hear God's voice in their life. It's inviting them to come and repent when they need to repent, obey when they need to obey. And so by following and letting God change me, I can invite other people into that process. And they can watch and they can learn. And we can, we can pass this down a generation at a time. Okay, finally, the third element, follow, change. The last one is mission, mission. See, the truth is I could do the first two things without having anybody else along for the journey. I could decide on my own today, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. And you know what, Jesus, I'm even gonna let you change me. I'm gonna obey you, I'm gonna repent. But the third part of Jesus' call in their lives was to impact other people. He said, Come and follow me and I will make you a good person. I will make you like a really nice guy, really nice lady. I'll make you a saint. No, I'm going to make you someone who goes fishing for other people. I have a job for you. I have a mission for you. The thing I'm doing in your life right now by inviting you to follow me, you're going to do that in other people's lives. You're going to invite them kind of to follow you, but really to follow me. That's going to be an important distinction along the way. 
people can get a little power hungry, like, oh, I'm the one with this awesome mission and people are following me and look at, look at the impact of that. My goal really quickly should be to get them from following me to following him. It's going to be an important thing we're going to talk about, about the process of how we do this next week. But understanding he's called me to a mission. As I'm following and I'm being changed, I'm supposed to be caring about other people. And can I tell you something? One of the main ways that we actually follow Jesus is following him into some relationships he'll call us into. Following him into the messiness of life with one another. You know, it's, it's actually fairly easy on some levels to follow God and be changed by him if you're kind of all by yourself. I can just kind of retreat away from the world and retreat away from everybody else. And I can read some scriptures that just sound really good. And I can tell they're just changing me in my heart and it feels so good. And I can worship God and I'm doing great. And then I go out into the real world on Monday morning and everything's different. That's where it gets difficult is when I deal with people. God is in the messy. He's in the messy situations of everyday life. He cares about us. You know what? I'm messy. I'm a messy person with problems and failures and shortcomings. And I got news for you. You're messy too. But it's in that process of being in real relationship with other people where, man, I really need to follow him now. Like, God, I'm in this situation with my friend. I have no idea what to do. And so instead of pretending like I do or just trusting my own instinct, Jesus, will you help me in this relationship? What do I say? What do I do? How do I forgive? How do I pray? What advice do I give to this person? God, what do I do in this situation? There's a moment to follow him. See, there's no, there's no handbook for that. I need a living Savior who loves me and cares about me that is involved in my day-to-day life. And in that messy situation, I can follow him. And if that situation is similar to others I've been in, and I've blown it over and over again, but in this moment today, God can do something miraculous. It can be different. I can handle that situation by obeying him in a different way, and I'm getting changed. And it's actually through the process of being in relationship with other people where following him and being changed by him gets very real. I can tell you, as a dad with six kids, patience is going to happen one way or the other. <laughs> Before I had kids, right, I could say, like, oh, you know, I think I'm pretty patient with people, but really I just kind of made it till it was time to clock out at work and get home, and then I can catch my breath. But when you get home and there's more people there waiting on you, <laughs> right, Patience becomes really necessary. See, all these things that are just real life stuff that God wants to do in us, the very thing we would have a tendency to pull away from is the very thing he's inviting us into. Come be around people. Come let it be messy. Let it be hard. Let it be difficult because I'm God in the middle of that. And I'll change your life in the middle of that. And guess what? I might even use you to change somebody else's life. There's just a possibility that might rub off on your friend, on your neighbor, on your coworker, on your kid, maybe on your parents, maybe on your siblings. I can do something in the messy because that's what I do. And so let's opt in. Let's realize he's invited us to be a part of this same invitation 
to impact the lives of other people around us. See, here's the beauty of this, this statement that Jesus has made right here. The beauty of this statement is that it gives value and purpose to even the most mundane circumstances of life. See, if we were to really interpret the Great Commission accurately, when he says, go into all the world, that phrase really means as you go. The life you are already living has mission, has value in it. The job that you have, the relationships that you have, right there, even in the most mundane situation in life, there's incredible value and mission in front of you. God wants you to be impacting people right there around you. Listen, if you're a mom and you're at home a lot with kids and sometimes you just feel like, man, I'm just doing this repeat process with my kids. No, you are impacting an eternal being. You are helping shape a life. You get to make that impact. There's value in that. Man, you go to work and you feel like, man, it is just tough being around some of these people. They're eternal creatures that God has made and he loves them. And you have an opportunity to impact their life. And you can opt in to that mission just by following Jesus and being changed by him and just living open enough in your life for other people to see that. Maybe even inviting them into it. You know, I think sometimes we make assumptions about people like they're not interested. I mean, let's just set the scene for just a minute, like for real, okay? We get up one day, walk down to the river, we're at a park or something, and there's just two or three guys out there just busting their tails. I mean, they're sweating. They got their boats out there. They're cleaning stuff up. They look frustrated. They're busy. They're working. Does that say open invitation to someone who really wants to go have a Bible study right now? Probably not. I just wonder how many times in our own interactions with neighbors, with coworkers, whoever, we just, we just assume they're not interested in following Jesus. We just assume, based on things we've seen in their life, man, this would probably just annoy them or even offend them if I said something about Jesus or invited them to come check him out. Said, hey, would you ever be interested in having a conversation about Jesus or looking at a couple scriptures together or just talking about life? Let's not make the decision for other people. Jesus threw out the invitation. Some came, some didn't. Some immediately dropped their nets and followed him. Some made excuses. Oh, I got to go bury so-and-so. Or, hey, go, go, um, um, go sell everything you have and follow me. Ah, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm out. We'll see some of these people along the way as we get more into these verses. But there were people that wanted to follow Jesus or were invited to, but they would look at a circumstance in their life and go, I can't right now. That's fine. Let them make the decision. You make the invite. I just wonder what people might be in your life that if you invited them to come check out what God's doing in your life, come check out Jesus, come get to know him a little bit, what people might love to go, hey, I want to say yes to that invitation. He's called us to be on mission with him. We're going to skip the next verse. We'll, we'll tackle it next week. So there's this way of life that he's inviting us into that involves following him, being changed by him, and being on mission with him. I want to talk to you guys about what happens in our life if we leave one of these elements out as a disciple of Jesus. If we leave one element out, what's the problem? So we got our three up there. All right, so let's imagine for a minute that we leave out the word follow. I'm just someone who 
I'm, I'm willing to be changed by him and be on mission with him, but I'm leaving out following a real living person. What does that produce in my life? See, there's actually, believe it or not, a lot of, a lot of Christians that live life without following a living Savior. And what that ends up looking like in your life is a very religious way of living that removes relationship. And I become one of two things, or maybe both at the same time. I become a person who's very driven to do better, to do the right thing, to get my stuff together, to have my life in order. And then I also am the type of person that drives other people. I'm not inviting them to follow Jesus. I'm pushing them into following Jesus, like it or not. One of the easiest ways to do that is in relationships where we have a lot of influence. If I have a lot of influence in somebody else's relationship and I feel very driven to follow the rules and do the right thing on my own strength and I got to make it happen, then I'm going to be the kind of person that drives and pushes other people. And we end up with a a large group of people just striving in their own strength. I mean, y'all, there are like whole denominations that live this way. They might say with their mouth, Jesus is alive, but they're not actually talking to him and inviting them into their life in this moment today. They're just studying some things he said a long time ago and trying their best to do them on their own and change themselves and then pushing other people to get on board and change too. And you have a bunch of worn out, distraught, frustrated people. And in fact, there's a younger generation of believers in our country right now that are running away from church because that's what church looked like to them growing up. I'm being pushed and being driven to follow Jesus and I'm just tired of it. I'm worn out by it. And besides that, look at those bunch of hypocrites anyways that are making me do it. There's no life in it. It's exhausting. It's exhausting for the person trying to live that way and it's definitely exhausting for the other people in their life. But it is very possible to think that you are following Jesus and being a disciple of him but leave out the fact that he's real and alive and you got to listen to his voice in your life. What about if we leave out change? I'm following Jesus. I'm on mission with Jesus. We end up with one of two types of gospels, a selfish gospel or a social gospel. See, here's the problem. If I think I'm following Jesus, but I'm never changing, I just have to tell you, there's a really good chance you're following yourself. There's a lot of change that needs to take place in my life. And if I'm really, truly following Jesus, I'm going to see that. I'm going to get pushed. I'm going to get challenged. Now, the beauty is the way he changes us. It's a wonderful invitation. He's not beating us up. He's inviting us into something better. But I'm going to notice that there are things in my life that need to change. If I can look at my life and look back six months or, man, hopefully not six years and feel like I've kind of just been in the same spot and I'm doing really good and nothing, nothing's happened that really needed to change or shift in me, See, if I remove change from the equation, then the question becomes, who am I really following? Am I just following myself? But it's also possible to think I'm following Jesus and I'm just following other people into this really social gospel that's not inviting me to follow the real Jesus. See, there's a whole movement in our country that makes it sound like we're following Jesus, but we never have to change. It's come as you are and stay that way. Jesus loves you just the way you are. That's true. But he also loves you too much to leave you there. He wants to invite you into something hopeful, life-giving, better. And so we have whole realms of Christianity 
that are following Jesus, but Jesus never wants to change anything in our lives. And then let's just go do some good stuff for other people. And so then as we pass that on, as we're on mission telling other people about this Jesus that has no desire to change us, we're creating more and more people who are being invited into something that doesn't have any real impact in their life. It might sound warm and fuzzy and emotional, but there's no real transformation happening. There's no real freedom from the bondage of sin. We're actually ripping people off if we leave out the truth that Jesus comes to radically change our lives. And so if I'm not careful, if I leave change out of the equation, the fact that God wants to make me into something, then I'm going to find myself either following me and what I want to do or following somebody else's voice that's not his. He loves us. He calls us to follow him, be changed by him, and be on mission. And then finally, what happens if I leave out mission? We already referenced this a little bit. It just goes one generation and stops. I might become a different person, but nobody else around me is having that opportunity. I'm missing whole groups of people that God has placed me there to touch. It's not the pastor's job to be the one that's on mission. It's not the missionary's job to be the one that's on mission. Every follower of Jesus is called to be a disciple. There are people that you know, that you touch their lives, that none of the rest of us have opportunity to touch. You're uniquely placed where you are. The beauty is, if we'll, if we'll be in on that mission, and we're being followed and changed and transformed by Jesus, and we'll intentionally touch other people's lives, that thing can go multiple generations deep. I can affect someone who will affect somebody else. See, if we don't just teach people to be disciples, but we teach them to be disciples who make disciples, it doesn't stop. It keeps going. It has a snowball effect. So by having all three of these together, I can see what God's inviting me into. This is an important thing to understand for yourself, and it's an important thing to understand when you're encouraging other people to follow Jesus. What does a disciple look like? It's a person who's following Jesus that Jesus is then changing and transforming, and it's a person who's on mission to touch other lives around them. That's what a disciple is. Here's a practical thing you can do in your life this week to start putting this into practice. You can do this as you're reading Scripture as a really good foundation. You can also use these three questions in conversation with other people, even in your prayer life. But three questions. Pastor Jimmy mentioned these last week. Number one, what is God saying to me right now? That's a follow question. Not what did he say to me six months ago? Not what did I hear taught a while back in my life? What's God saying to me right now? I can put up scripture and read it that way. Okay, God, I'm reading this passage and I know it's a cool story or an encouraging psalm, but Jesus, what do you want to say to me today in this passage? And if you don't get the answer while you're reading, think about that passage throughout the day and see how he might answer the question at three o'clock in the afternoon. If we hold on to a scripture we read in the morning and look for how Jesus wants to use it during the day, I bet you'll be shocked how often that scripture applies directly to something happening in your life or God wants to use it to touch somebody else's life that's around you. God, what are you saying to me today? Then a change question. Okay, cool. So God, that's what you're saying to me today. How does that challenge me? 
How does this passage that I'm reading challenge me? What is that thing that you said to me? How does that challenge me? And now I have an opportunity to do something with it. And that leads to the third question. Who is my mission or what do I need to do with this? What are you saying to me today? How does that challenge me? And then God, do I need to do with this? If that was your prayer life each day, if that was the way you approached even just basic scripture reading, God, what are you saying to me in this? How is it challenging me? What should I do with this? And then asking him to help you do it. That's how we begin the process of being a disciple. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you love us, that you've invited us into a relationship with you. God, I thank you you haven't just called us into some religion with a list of rules, but you've called us to know the true and living God who loves us. Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much that you produce change in our life. God, you free us from things that rip us off. God, you give us strength to live life in a way that is not only life-giving for us, but for others. And God, I thank you that you give us purpose. You give us mission in this world. God, would you help us to be intentional about the life that we're living, about the people that are in our lives right now. God, I pray that this week we would have the kinds of conversations with you that would help us see how to follow you, be changed by you, and to be on mission with you. God, help us to hear what you're saying to us right now today. And God, help us to identify people in our life that you're calling us to impact that you're calling us to disciple. And God, that we would step up and do it. God, I thank you that you love us and that you're with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.